and welcome back to another episode of Movement is Life. In today's episode, we will be exploring invisible women in sport. On the 8th of March, it was International Women's Day. This year's campaign focused around hashtag break the bias. So today we are questioning what can we do to break the bias for women in sport? I'm joined by Kate Dale, campaign lead at This Girl Can, and Hattie Jones, strategic lead, campaigns and engagement from UK Active. We discussed the new exercise classes This Girl Can have set up, how they have broken the bias around unfiltered, realistic images. Plus, UK Active also discussed their new guide and how we can all benefit from it. Kate and Hattie also share some of their personal experiences within sport. If you are interested in finding out more about This Girl Can, Sport England or UK Active, then please check our bio below. Remember, if you have any questions, comments about today's episode, or simply want to get in touch with us, then please email podcast at intelligenthealth.co.uk. That's podcast at intelligenthealth.co.uk. In a nutshell, um, it's a very visual, um, has been a very visual campaign that shows women, girls from all ages, all backgrounds, all abilities, getting active in a very realistic, because it's real, it's women doing what they actually do. No airbrushing, no filters, doing what they do, showing how it makes them feel doing it and not being really stylized. Um, and that's sort of where it started from and a real think of a damn attitude. Um, and from that, it sort of evolved into how we come up with partner organisations such as UK Active into actually then influencing the way that physical activity opportunities are actually created on the ground. Really important, I think. It's, it is about trying, it, trying different things and finding what works for you. And, you know, you could try all types of group exercise classes and then be like, actually, no, that turning up and doing my own workout with, you know, my headphones and my music on the gym floor is exactly what is for me or getting out and walking on the street. And I think that's it. It's that ensuring people have positive experiences so that even though that activity is not right for them, they still have a good experience that they feel like they can go back and that. For me, personally, I think that is the key. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Kate Dale, campaign lead at This Girl Can, and Hattie Jones, strategic campaigns and engagement from UK Active. So to start, Kate, could you please provide us with a background and a quick insight into how This Girl Can was first set up? Hi, Bethany. Yes, I'd be delighted to. This Girl Can was launched in 2015 and it arose out of insights that we had gathered over the years, previous 10 years, that showed a real sustained gap in participation in physical activity, sport, exercise, if you want to call it, uh, between men and women. And that was despite 10 years of messages around London 2012, which feels a very long time ago now. But, you know, all that build up and excitement around that, around the health messaging, sports marketing, sports media um, and work that Sport England had done as well. So we're the lottery, lottery distributor. We invest in sport and physical activity projects, programme schemes, initiatives, and we knew there was a gender gap. We'd created lots of opportunities for women to get active, but we were seeing that at its height, it was about 2 million, but it never really deviated from between 1.7 and 2 million women, difference between difference between men and women who were getting active. So there's a real sustained gap that, of women who we just weren't encouraging to be active. And that really mattered. And it matters, and mattered and still matters because sport and physical activity is so good for us in so many ways, but we needed, we needed to do something different if we were going to make a difference. So that's where we sort of changed from thinking about creating the opportunities into trying to influence the way that women were thinking and feeling about physical activity, about moving. And that's where this girl can came from. So hopefully uh, listeners will have seen it and be aware of it in a nutshell. And I can talk about this for hours. In a nutshell, um, it's a very visual, um, has been a very visual campaign that shows women, girls from all ages, all backgrounds, all abilities, getting active in a very, very 
realistic because it's real. It's women doing what they actually do. No airbrushing, no filters, doing what they do, showing how it makes them feel doing it and not being really stylized. Um, and that's sort of where it started from and a real think of a damn attitude um, and from that it sort of evolved into how we come up with partner organisations such as UK Active into actually then influencing the way that physical activity opportunities have actually created on the ground. It's quite a legacy really and obviously since it's been the 10 years since the London Olympics which is hard to believe really and that kind of progression and there's been so many different things that have happened sort of socially, culturally, like so many kinds of things that it must have been quite a journey really to get to the point where you are now. It has. And I think it's one of those things, if we'd realised the impact it would have, we may have been too scared to start. So there's mm. probably a life lesson in that, isn't it? But just start and don't think about that. But yes, culturally, when I think back to, we did a soft launch in October 2014, and that was, we had a we had a coalition government. It, we had a, uh, Obama was president. We had so much turbulence was ahead of us, I guess, as a, as a, as a world, as a, as a country, uh, so much has happened. But also we hadn't seen the growth of body positivity the way that we've seen it now. Instagram wasn't really a, a massive thing then. Brands weren't including um, images of women of different shapes and sizes and not just sports brands. We've seen that a lot more. So there's much, a lot of positive things that have happened over the last few years as well, which hopefully we've been a part of making happen. I'm not saying it's all us. Yeah, it has really been quite a journey and us working with the sports industry, the physical activity sector as well in how and our understanding of what needs to change and what we can change. And I think one of the things I've really learned about it, which is really positive actually, is there's lots of small things that can change and it is all those this sounds like real Instagram inspo, mantra, Instagram inspo, doesn't it? Lots of small steps really do add, add up to something big. I think, and I think we've seen that over the years as well. It doesn't have to be completely reinventing everything. It's also had an impact on me as well. I've become much more active and much more confident about getting active as a result of working on the campaign as well. I'm not at all sporty back by background. So personally, I've um, it's been really helpful for me. Not that that's what it's about. It's not about me. <laughs> I suppose how you say as well, like Instagram and things like that, there's like a real community there that has kind of grown and grown and grown. So that must be quite nice to kind of tap into that and see like realistic women within sport or just being active in general. That must be really nice to have that. Oh, it's lovely. And if I am having a challenging day for whatever reason, then dipping into this girl can communities on Facebook, on Insta, on Twitter is, is joyful and lovely. And we have had, I mean, we're a government organisation, arms length body, on risk mitigation you know we have I'm doing hand signals that don't help really thick risk mitigation documents and all all sorts of things and to be honest I, we seemed from the beginning that we would get trolled because we feature uh, everyday women and all us we do street casting so all the women who feature in our creative are women who are, we found in leisure centres in gyms in on running tracks at park runs at all sorts of places getting active and we feature them and so we've been really protective of them as well and we're really worried about them being trolled and abused online we've had really little on the great scoop there's been some obviously but we've had very very little and I think it's because the community has been so protective and so supportive and we talk about our Tinkerbells so if there's trolls then there has to be Tinkerbells so the people who are coming in and protect and it is joyous and lovely and I also get and this is a real privilege of my job when I go out and talk about this girl can is women talking to me about how they've used the campaign how it's helped them and how it's helped them or their mother or their sister or their friends get active and it is really really lovely so and one of my big asks always is and I'm not telling to people they have to share images of themselves getting active if they don't feel comfortable doing it but if you do if you share an image of your sweaty selfie your puffed out your red face your whatever it is your sense of satisfaction after you got to the end of something and sharing that online is a 
real feminist act because you are then normalizing what physical activity looks like for someone else and I find that more inspiring than seeing and I'm not knocking celebrities getting active it's great I'm not knocking sportswomen getting active we need to see more of that too and we might come on to that that's all part of changing the landscape but everyday women getting active and showing what it actually looks like and not in some beautifully airbrushed filtered yes we talked about airbrushing just 10 years ago we talk about filters now and that kind of brings us on to why do you think it's so important for women in all different kind of age groups to get physically active one of the underlying themes of our discussion today is going to be kind of that invisible women in sport and how can they get involved with things so is there like a particular way that this girl can sort of help women achieve new things in sport recently got all these new classes and things that people can get involved with could you maybe speak about that a little bit yeah absolutely one of the things that we identified right at the beginning of the campaign when we had that sort of moment of saying okay it's not about opportunity it's about how women feel was doing more um, delving into the insight and trying to get beyond that sort of first response if you ask somebody to do something they don't really want to do we're all very good at giving all the practical reasons why that's just not possible for us. And I'm not decrying the fact practical reasons for lots and lots of women, time, money, childcare, caring responsibilities, busy lives, busy jobs. There are lots and lots and lots of you know opportunities. There are lots of practical reasons why it's difficult to be active and to maintain activity levels as well. So to get active and stay active. But it's not just about solving the practical ones. It's understanding how you feel. Because if you really want to do something and you get the right rewards, emotional, mental rewards from it, you will find ways to keep doing it. So we need to try and tackle both. But I think in its early days, this girl can primarily focus on the emotional barriers, therefore. And there's a real, really identified, there were lots of things that women would say about, and some really heartbreaking ones, um, I'm too fat to get fit. Uh, somebody in a workshop said, or in a focus group said, memories of school sport, not feeling like they fit in at the gym, thinking they have to be a, a, I'm doing air quotes now, gym bunny to be able to go to a gym or having the right kit or clothes or be able to perform to a certain level. There's a really interesting thing about beginners classes, and I've done this. You go to a beginners class and then you feel really comfortable there and you stay there for two years. And that's great. Please stay. Don't stop. I'm not asking you to stop. But then somebody else joining it two years in, they go into a room where everyone's got their spot. Everyone knows everyone else. Everyone knows the routines. It is a beginner's class and the teacher will probably work to make it a beginner's class and to welcome you in. She's a good instructor. She will do or he will do. But nevertheless, it can feel like a closed off group and it can feel inadvertently cliquey. It's amazing how quickly, that's a really horrible judgy word. I wouldn't use it. So that constant thing of trying to be constantly thinking about how can we open up and make it feel so that everyone who walks in feels welcome and involved. I think that's where a lot of the fitness classes came from around this. We're thinking about how can we create a set of classes that are specifically targeted to beginners with the idea that you sort of graduate through from them. And that's not to say, I don't think that you can't keep going if you want to, but it is very specifically targeted what it's like to be new walking in because it's terrifying walking into a new, oh, sorry, I shouldn't put that in people's minds. It can be, it can feel terrifying walking into something new for the first time and everybody feels that. One of the pieces of research, I think I'm going off topic a bit, I may be going on too long, but uh, one of the pieces of research that really stuck out for me was that no matter how sport you've been if you go to a new I remember Beth Treadle saying this and talking about how she went to a Zumba class and for her that was terrifying and says a the most one of the most accomplished sportswomen we have who has you know done something that is so exposing and so out there and so you can't imagine her being daunted by everything but going into a Zumba class and you know wanting to stand at the back and all those things that so many of us feel but when you go into a class you don't know that other people are feeling that you think that everyone else is super brave and confident so I think really trying to debunk some of that so to bring that back to the question, there was a real fear of judgment and it was judgment on three things. So around appearance, we didn't often see women who looked like us 
getting active, being active and showing what it looks like to be active with all that sweat and huffing and puffing and then facing and jiggling and all this of it. We didn't think we were good enough to do it. It's a whole set of things around ability and everyone else can do what I can't. If I can't, that means that people like me just aren't meant to. And then also priorities. So women with young children in particular feeling guilty about time away, but also guilty about not being good role models. So it becomes a double whammy of guilt. And young people as well, students feeling guilty about time away from that period of their life where you're really supposed to focus on the things that you're very good at could be a real challenge as well. So really trying to tackle that fear of judgment that makes women feel that it's not for women like them and they shouldn't or can't do it and really tackle into that. And that's where a lot of the creative comes from, a lot of the work, but also the practical create opportunities that we're working with UK Active on doing around the fitness classes and the advice and the guidance that we've given to leisure centres as well on how to actually make it a really welcoming and keep it welcoming, supportive atmosphere. It's interesting how you say that such an accomplished athlete such as Beth and she goes to a Zumba class and she feels that way and that kind of even normalises it even more because you just think if someone like that is feeling that way going to a class then it's all right for me to also feel that way and put myself in that kind of situation. And I had to do a bit of a mental leap on this because at first I sort of went down that route of thinking, oh, well, if even she finds it difficult and she's amazing, think, no, it's not about that. It's about the fact that it just shows that it's just something we have in our heads and therefore... It doesn't really matter. And all our research, we do have lots of tracker data that shows the impact of the campaign. And when we launched Fear of Judgment, which is sort of what it actually went up, but it's because we were surfacing it. And so I think we were putting a, um, a words or names to feelings that women were having and we bring it to, and it was actually okay to talk about it and to actually recognise it. So it's like with anything, isn't it? Once you start recognising it, then the numbers go up. But only by recognising it can you then bring it back down. Yeah, so I think there is something. I, I had genuinely thought until I talked to a lot of Olympians and people and sportswomen that um, if you were sporty, that it was just easy for you to do and you didn't have to push yourself or feel difficult or feel uncomfortable or the training didn't hurt or it doesn't have to hurt by the way that's another important message to come back to it doesn't have to hurt uh, unless you are training for the Olympics in which case it, or the Paralympics in which case it probably does but um, it doesn't have to but thinking it would be easy for them because they were just sporty women and therefore they just did it and actually recognising you know what it's always it's, it's a bit uncomfortable for all of us so it's okay to feel like that and actually embrace that and for me it's about embracing the red faces and the sweats and the huffing and puffing and actually taking that as and not in a sort of no pain no gain I don't that language doesn't work for me personally, but more just in it, it's a sign of accomplishment. It's a sign that you're uh, giving your body what your body actually wants, but it will feel a bit uncomfortable sometimes mentally or physically, but that's okay. But it shouldn't feel painful. And I know the classes you're offering kind of there's a real variety of there's like lower intensity, there's kind of fun classes, and kind of how you're saying there's a lot of support behind the sessions that you're offering for women who might not feel comfortable attending those kind of big group style classes and things like that is there like a way that's easy for women to kind of get involved and find out more about the classes we've discussed but yeah absolutely if you come to this girl can website then we can look you through and you can find out where our class is taking place near you kind of how you were saying before there's been a lot of progress that sport england and this girl can have kind of made through the variety of campaigns that you've got and things as well but it could be argued that the gender gap for physical activity is still like a persistent thing and women still are quite invisible, underrepresented, and they're just kind of left out in many areas, kind of how we've spoken about just seeing those realistic images of women seeming sweaty and hot and all the natural things you would have when exercising. What would you say are some of the biggest issues for women in terms of getting active in the first place? I think, I mean... While the campaign and other initiatives have been definitely successful in attacking that gender gap, we can't deny that the last two years of lockdown and pandemic, pandemic and lockdown, have had an impact. And I think that we have seen the impact on the realities of women's lives and more women took on 
increased caring responsibilities. Um, we're now facing all of us, I guess, financial pressures over the next year. Uh, we know the impact on anxiety levels and stress levels over the last two years has been high as well. So I think we're in a different place than we would have been if, in all sorts of ways and if the last two years hadn't happened in the way they did. But there would still have been a gap, I think. So I don't think it's just that that's the only thing that we're still tackling now. So I think we still have to keep on with some of those initial issues, initial issues around why is it uh, that women feel so judged and that we judge ourselves as well. A lot of it's an internal voice as well and still tackling those. So that normalising physical activity, what it looks like, what it feels like, really showing that there is no one right way to be active. Um, it's getting active in whatever way works for you. And that can be walking. It's absolutely fine for it to be walking. It can be going to the gym. It doesn't have to be. It can be walking on a treadmill. It can be all sorts of things. It doesn't have to be what somebody else thinks it should be. It's amazing. Uh, maybe it isn't. Maybe it's a sign of the, the societies in which we live in that women do things. There's a whole plethora of people who want to tell them that they're doing it wrong and that they know how to get them to doing it better. That still happens an awful lot. And that's one of the things I love glasses for as well is I think it gives women a chance to find lots of different ways to find out what's right for you. You know, the amount of times over the years women have said, oh, but I hate running. That's absolutely fine. You don't have to run. <laughs> you don't have to swim. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything. You can be dancing around your um, your living room to YouTube videos. And funnily enough, I guess that's maybe one of one of the things we've learned over the last two years is that there are different ways that we can be adaptive and how we get active. Personally, I feel it. I feel sad if people, if women feel that they can't get active outside their homes, whether that is in a formal setting like or a, a setting like a gym or whether it's in uh, streets, parks, or whatever. Because I think there's something joyous about being able to be out there in the world and with other people, especially with other people. And for me personally, it really helps. But it doesn't mean that it has to be. So I think trying to reinforce that message. There is no one right way. It's frankly no one else's business but yours of how you get active, where you get active, what you wear, what you look like, how well you do it. No one else's business. I think we need to keep hammering those messages because I think we've really learned that we can't take any progress for granted. And like you say, getting out there and walking and things like that, people often just overlook walking as a form of exercise. And it's one of the best ways I think you can start because it's easy, it's free, it's pretty much accessible to most people. And you can get out there. You don't have to have special kit. You don't have to. You can do it on the way. You can build it into your daily routine. Um, I think as well, one thing that, um, again, is something that I've personally learned. Uh, so I won't keep coming back to the last two years, but what I've learned is that before for me to do any sort of exercise, I needed to have a goal. So whether it was I did a half marathon or 5K, I'm, I'm a really rubbish runner, by the way, I'm really slow and rubbishy, or trying to get personal, but but trying to get PBs, you know, and it had to be something that I was striving towards. But actually for me, just getting to that space of the game, doing it just for the sake of doing it doesn't have to have a, a an extrinsic motivation around it actually there was a real sense of relief and joy in that and I, that's something that I would really like to get to and you know we never on this girl can talk about diets and weight loss I know that's a major that can be a big motivation for lots of women to start thinking about getting active and I'm not knocking that and if you are thinking because you want to for your reasons of making changes to your lifestyle to around diet or whatever then I think physical activity is really helpful to build into that but not because it will help you burn more you know burn to earn and all the rest of it but just because I think it helps your mental well-being and emotional well-being and it's just it's a sense of relief it should be a sense of relief coming in to get active not a sense of punishment Mm. Uh, makes sense I think yeah so I think a lot of those still there and also I think there is still this is and again something I think I've learned over the years of we started off with this girl can we have research that shows that major events elite success don't directly inspire women to, or any of us really to get active so when I see Jess Ellis Jess Ennis even winning that inspires me and that's amazing and she's an amazing woman and she inspires me in all sorts of ways but not so much to go for run because when I go for run it looks and feels very very different so they're completely different things and the motivations for doing it are incredibly different would argue whether 
like getting semantics of even not even the same thing. So it's not a direct line. I think that the more we see of sports women getting active, the more it's shown, the more reward they're given, the more we see of women working in sport on the pitch, um, in the physio room, on the sidelines, coaching, managing, in administration, across the whole world of sports. So real quality there, the more that it just becomes, it stops becoming such a bloke's world. There mm. is still the attitude that there's sport and women's sport there's not there's just sport that we can all take part in um, and I think so I think there's a really important aspect of while there's not a direct line necessarily between uh, elite success and for most of us getting active I think there is that sense of the more we see it on TVs the more we see sports women being rewarded to the same level I think that's really and challenging stereotypes as well I think that becomes a really important part of getting rid of that invisibility it is something that we can we don't use words like should and must we avoid those because again that adds to that oh my goodness should be doing it and it makes it a chore but there's absolutely no reason. You know, a stat that I found recently said that there's an 11.75% difference between the number of men who strongly agree that sport and exercise is enjoyable and the number of women who agree with that. Now, I can guess all the reasons why, but if that's something, let's think about what can we all do collectively for it to be enjoyable? What are the pressures we can take off? What are the opportunities that we can create? How do we represent it to make it feel more enjoyable? Because when something's enjoyable, it's a heck of a lot easier to do than it is when it's a chore. And so I think there's a really interesting thing to focus on there is about what are the things. Some of those will go right back to how I experienced it growing up but there's things that we can all do right now for ourselves individually as well as as organisations we work for to make it feel enjoyable Reflecting on what International Women's Day is this year it's kind of like break the bias and what you're saying there about seeing women in all different kind of shapes of sport is a really keen and important thing and also finding what works for them sport wise and exercise wise and why they're actually doing it. It doesn't necessarily have to be just about losing weight it can be about mindfulness and so many other things as well which are just as important if not sometimes more important in some circumstances emotional felt benefits absolutely how does it make you feel and I think it it can absolutely support all of them I think it was Catelyn Moran and I possibly misquote this but quite a few years ago I think she wrote that um, we should treat our bodies like we treat our dogs if you have a dog you know that it needs exercise every day for it to be happy and healthy and that if we could have the same mentality for bodies and so you know just get them so whether it's going out for that walk or whatever it is but just having that she says it much more eloquently than that I think I've paraphrased her very badly, but I think there's something which, take, again, takes that pressure and judgment off. You don't have to be pushing for PBs all the time. If that's what floats your boat and that's what gets you out there, that's fantastic and I'm not knocking it, but you don't have to. It can just be a half hour work. And I'm, it's quite, you'd think working on this campaign that I would never forget that, but I do. And to be totally honest with you, I'm in a bit of a, a lull at the moment of it feeling really hard to do that. And actually even just talking about this now, thinking, you know, at lunchtime, I'm going to make myself go out for half an hour's walk and I know it will make me feel better, but it's really yeah. easy to forget. Is it terrifying they call it gymnasia it's terrifying how quickly we forget and how many I've done this so many times I will start a new classes or routine or regime or something regime's a horrible word but um oh my gosh I feel so much better I will never ever ever forget this again and then life gets in the way and we stop and then it becomes really really hard to start again because that self-judgment comes in about oh I always I never stick to it I'm rubbish I just can't do it and this whole this might just be me this is turning into my therapy session (laughs) so (laughs) but you know but uh, I just and I forget and that actually it's really really hard to start again and that would be another, I guess, takeaway from this as well is just start, take the pressure off, just start. And you never, ever, and I know this is absolutely classic Instagram inspo, but you never, ever, ever regret taking that step out the front door. Go for 10 minutes. If you hate it, come home. Chances are you won't. But if you hate it, you can come home and that's fine. But at least you got out. And I think, yeah, I'm giving myself a talk to you now. I might do that. 
I like, yeah. I will. No, I might. I will. This girl can. I will yeah. do that lunchtime today. <laughs> exactly. Commit to it and you'll be there. Yeah. Even if it's a minute. Like, yeah. I think that's better than anything. Yeah. Like. We have got so hung up, haven't we? Um, <laughs> I think over the years, but how many minutes and what's the difference between moderately intense and uh, what's the other one? very rigorously intense and 150 minutes a week in five by 30 and I've been working in Sport England for a long time and so I remember when I first joined which was in 2004 by then at that stage the CMO uh, Chief Medical Officer guidelines were five by 30 and that absolutely blew my mind because the idea of, of having to get out for at least 35 30 minutes a day that was I, I, and I couldn't do it I could get 250 minutes in a week but not 30 minutes a day most day and it just became a real barrier because it mm. gets to that well if I can't do that what's the point which is ridiculous but at the end of the day anything is better than nothing and it's never too late something's better than nothing so I just think like something is better than nothing This Girl Can also works together with UK Active to improve the experiences of women and girls at leisure facilities. Just wondered, like, when did this partnership first begin? I'll bring in Hattie now to answer that. So it's actually part of a wider partnership between Sport England and UK Active, which I think formally actually started back in 2018 and covers kind of five key themes, areas of work. So that's inclusion, infrastructure, health and wellbeing, digital transformation and campaigns. And the campaign strand is where we focus on This Girl Can and the women and girls audience. And our aim was to work together to get more women and girls using leisure facilities. And we planned to originally do this um, with a very on the ground activation, driving kind of women and girls um, to access gym facilities and try something new and with the support of those facilities on the ground. However, COVID-19 obviously hit um, and that brought that kind of concept to a halt. And so what we chose to do was some work to discover and look at behaviours, perceptions, expectations, challenges of women and girls within this setting in particular. And so we spoke to over a thousand women and girls both gym users and non-gym users over the age of 16 about their experiences and we did that through surveys and sort of bespoke focus groups and what that's meant is that when we do come to drive something on the ground we are now going to be better informed around what women want and need and kind of what facilities can do to support that and so that kind of insight and research piece was what we released back in November and that was under the title of how to improve your services for women and girls as told by the 51 and it's very much a resource for the fitness and leisure sector specifically to improve the engagement, experience and importantly, the confidence of women and girls using those facilities. It's full of kind of really practical guidance. Um, it's got checklists and advice on a range of issues such as how to improve communication to women to reduce that kind of anxiety and fear that Kate was talking about. They have about entering gyms and leisure facilities in particular to, through to kind of supporting women to use certain gym equipment. The guidance also advises fitness operators how to demonstrate their facilities are inclusive of everyone. Again, to Kate's point, it's about using imagery that showcases a range of different body types, ethnicities and ages. So it's a really practical guide that in partnership with Lisco Can has been really well received actually across the sector to date. And you've obviously got over 4,000 members and partners across like public, private and third sectors. And that kind of ranges from like multinational giants to local voluntary community groups. So could you maybe explain in a bit more detail how it kind of works in practice and how people can kind of like get involved with that? Like our listeners might kind of think, oh, that sounds really cool. And I want to find out more. How would they go about that? Our mission is more people, more active, 
more often. And at the core of who we are, we're the UK sort of membership body for organisations in the physical activity sector. So that's gyms, pools, leisure centres, studios, fitness suppliers, and really any other sort of activity providers that are out there. And beyond that, we collaborate across all sectors with anyone who shares that mission, which in the past has led to us working with kind of big brands. And our role and purpose is to protect, inform and advise our members, um, which has been extremely important the last two years in particular. We represent and champion them. So that's about showcasing the work they do in communities across the UK. And then we help them grow. So to support the mission of that more people more active more often. And that's where this piece of work with This Girl Can really comes into play to support them in the growth of women and girls in their facilities. And I guess if people want to get in touch with UK Active, we have a website. So it's probably the best port of call is to visit us online. You can kind of see the breadth of work that we we run and yeah, and just to get in touch really definitely and we'll include any kind of links and things like that in the bio down below so people can check that out I just wondered are there any kind of like particular events that UK Active can kind of help partners develop messages they're sending out and things like that as well yeah so there's probably two sort of key examples of things and events that we do that kind of I guess help support our, our members and kind of put on a platform for them to kind of shout about what they're doing and that's um, we have the UK Active Awards very much celebrating sort of best practice across the industry and then we have National Fitness Day which is our own campaign which showcases the best of our sector how it supports active lifestyles throughout the year but celebrates it on a single day and then we have smaller events um going on throughout the year and a strategic partner group where we work to support and inform on the development of any key areas that particular member wants to focus on and then help deliver those messages out to the audience that they're trying to reach. And what else do you think leisure centres or kind of the sector as a whole can kind of do to support women in sport best? This is kind of to both of you, really. What do you kind of think can encourage women to get active and kind of how you've spoken about the guidance you've given to the sector and things as well? Are there like particular ways that gym services for women and girls can be improved or made more accessible? I think um, it's a few things, really, from my perspective, and it's not really one thing in isolation I think for this audience in particular it's imperative to feel comfortable Mm. and welcome and just getting to the door of a facility or pitch side to try a new sport or return to a sport that you knew well as a child is a really mighty step for some people so it's definitely not one size fits all approach and I know our sector um, different operators across the sector you know know what's kind of right for their communities and they have successfully adapted certain things to support support this audience with you know through flexible memberships pausing of memberships if people are off to have children and and so forth and our research kind of showed us five key areas and steps to supporting women and girls to be active which we've then in turn turned that into tangible steps for the sector to kind of build on and those sort of five key things are kind of visibility and communication so that tone of voice representative images people like them women like me kind of concept that online presence so really showcase the benefits of being physically active information of what to expect when they they turn up what even to bring is really important and came up really quite often during our research and that kind of first visit and sign up it's about ensuring it's welcoming from the moment they turn up from say if it is in a facility that it's you know from reception through to the gym floor or the group exercise class and being able to kind of continue to have those opportunities to interact with staff ask questions if they don't know and that be comfortable to do that um, and those kind of 
flexible membership options that I mentioned. And then it's, you know, promoting the different ability sessions. So, you know, things like the This Girl Can classes are going to be great for that. So, you know, really beginner-led that they can then use as a stepping stone when they're comfortable to transition to kind of wider classes, try something new. And just also timings, finding the right activity and in terms of timings that suit family work-life balance. And then lastly, it's very much been about building trust. So building that safe and comfortable environment. And really importantly, that fitness and leisure facilities then showcase that commitment to, you know, promoting that they're committed to creating a safe space for women and girls to be active. So from my perspective, that's kind of what I, it's not one size fits all. It's kind of a few things that are really important to this audience. Absolutely, happy, And obviously I'd echo all of that. And what I love about the guidance is that it really is it's very practical and down to earth and straightforward. So it's not having to completely reinvent. Business models or operating models is really straightforward things. But, and I guess I would encourage organisations to think that this is a business opportunity as well. We know that gyms, fitness classes, our, uh, leisure centres are really popular ways that the women in this girl can target audience community or the people would like to bring into it. They're places that are likely to go. So and I've got a real interest in. So You've got some willing people there who you can convert into customers. So really, this is advice on how to build up your business apart from anything that might be the right thing to do about it. So I'd really urge them to think a bit it like that and just think about the local community the, your particular catchment area or target audience and see the world from their point of view because it will be different we know when we're 51% of the population we're not all the same and in different parts of the country we'll have different communities and different needs potentially or different nuances to our needs so really try and view the experience through through their eyes or walk in her shoes as they say and actually think about and as Hattie says all the way from the car park through to the if there's a car park sorry it's an assumption but you know from arriving at the gym how you get there um, right way through to the reception to the facilities uh, there's lots and lots of things that can just make a, a, a better experience and more likely to uh, make them want to have, have a good time and want to come back and be empathetic and don't think and I think this is the same in any industry in any sector it tends to the people who work in it tend to be the people who love that particular topic so bear in mind that in this you're possibly trying to convert people who didn't love sport at school and I'm not saying that everyone who works in the gym industry loves sport at school but you know who aren't necessarily minded to do that who don't necessarily get that that, that runner's high or that, that um, endorphin rush from lifting or whatever it is and and try and think about what's going to make it enjoyable for them and don't just dismiss their fears, which I think is certainly what happened in some places in the, in the older days before this girl can. Was, oh, if you just try it, you'll enjoy it and you'll fall in love with it. They may not fall in love with it, but they may enjoy it. And if you set it up in the right way, then they will do. And that's what will keep them, help them feel that they can keep coming back and that they want to. Kate's, you know, touched on a good point there. It's about kind of removing yourself from the sector. If you're the one kind of developing that fitness program for for your facility, for example, the chances are, like Kate says, you've probably been quite active. You're really passionate about being physically active and the world that you work in. And it's removing yourself from that. And something we touch on in the guide from a quote from someone is around putting yourself back to when you first started school, that feeling, that sort of anxious, nervous, not knowing what to expect. What were the questions you had? What did you want? answering and it's kind of getting people to think back to that because for some that is how it is when they you know are thinking about being active so it's really about removing yourself from something that for you is probably your day-to-day job but for them it's a huge stepping stone um, and sort of a life choice to start being active and it's funny I remember um, talking to uh, some women through the campaign about what to wear and we've always been very um, it doesn't matter what you wear you don't have to have specialist kit and so and that's always to be honest been my attitude to it anyway because I didn't want to spend the money on the kit I wanted to spend money on other clothes so that's always been where I was anyway way before this girl can and to me that feels very inclusive and very supportive and welcoming but talking they were um, confident about going then for them actually and I, again it, I, it's that thing of removing myself which 
always feels ironic in a podcast where I'm doing a lot of talking, but removing myself from it, of actually for them, actually knowing that they were wearing the kit that was going to make them feel that they fitted in, that they had the uniform, I guess, was really, really important. And I hadn't thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. So the more I said, oh, any old thing will do, the worse that felt. And especially as they were worried about whether they didn't have the latest high-tech leggings and this, that and the other. And yeah, I could say, we well, don't need any of that. But for them, that would make them feel less like everyone was looking at them. Which, when I say it, it's really obvious, isn't it? But I had never thought about that. I'd been so evangelical, I guess, about my side of it was well, any old thing. Tells me a lot about my fashion sense. But any old thing, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, I mean, there'll be lots and lots of things like that. So, yeah, ask, who knew? And I guess when the, where this bill came from, it came because we actually asked women and listened to the answers about what would make what they were thinking and feeling. And we, we as a campaign still need to keep doing that and not think that we know now because we knew seven years ago, eight years ago. Yeah, I think that's really important too. And if you properly ask people will probably tell you but then you need to listen to what they say that's such an interesting way to look at it because I've never even really considered that before but it is kind of that uniformity and kind of slotting in and feeling like you're then part of a team in a sense because you're all kind of wearing the same kit and you're all going to the same class and that's the thing that kind of unites you that's a really interesting way to kind of look at that I think and I'm not sure what the answer is actually because I'm not there for saying oh yes tell everyone that they have to have Mm -hmm. the latest um I'm trying to say brand names but expensive leggings or whatever obviously of course I'm not saying that but maybe it's about how you set it up and maybe it's thinking about what your fitness instructor wears or your I don't know it's it's certainly about what you show in the and Hattie you said this what you show in the visual imagery when you're promoting and marketing and showing what the class might look like make sure it's not everyone in crop tops and beautiful leggings and again I'm not knocking those I'm not knocking anything we never we don't judge this girl can we absolutely don't judge you know whatever plays your boat but really being in diverse in terms of that I guess and inclusive in terms of what you're showing the class will look like yeah because I think that's it isn't it I think we find in the you know in the fitness sector and when you talk to kind of fitness operators and around imagery and stuff it's also that balance of imagery because actually for some that kind of crop tops six pack on show is really aspirational and that works for some people so it's that mixture of stuff a mixture of imagery that really then lends itself to everybody because I mean yeah personally that doesn't work for me not going to have six pack so I don't want to see that but for some I know it would so it's kind of getting that balance right I think isn't it which is hard We've kind of already touched on this, but there are so many different kinds of barriers for girls and women to kind of participate within sport. I think, Kate, you mentioned a few earlier, but for some other examples, like possibly the lack of time or childcare, lack of money, which kind of plays into that uniform thing, you might not be able to get the fanciest new leggings and things like that, or you might not be able to get there easily. And I know a big focus that This Girl Can has kind of this year is that kind of personal safety whilst exercising. So I wondered, Kate, if you could share a bit more about that and then maybe Hattie, if you could share kind of UK Active's plans regarding that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think harassment, intimidation and the fear of it, Mm. uh, we know it can be a barrier to getting active, whether that is in um, formal or spaces um, or whether it's in public. It happens in both and it happens during the day and it happens at night. So I know there's a lot of talk about women's safety after dark and that's really important, but bad stuff and low level, but really grinding down stuff happens during the day as well and I don't know this is all really negative I'll get to positive in a minute but I don't know a single woman who go who's been running who hasn't been catcalled or more and I don't know and same with walking you know when we leave the front door basically not every time I'm being very very negative but it's that and I think and one of the things I always want to get across is it it doesn't have to happen every time for it to be a barrier it's the fear of it is there and we talk a lot in the campaign about how physical activity can make you feel and how moving 
can make you feel. And I think the three words are particularly after the last couple of years are joyful, free and strong. And I want women to feel joyful, free and strong. I want to feel joyful, free and strong. It's hard to feel that if I'm walking or running down the street with one eye over my shoulder or I'm in the free weights area and I feel uncomfortable or I think that someone is, that someone is staring at me or unwanted touching, all those things that we all know and we don't you know we all know as women happen all the time in lots and lots of sectors because it's part it's a societal wide issue and obviously it's not one that we can change in the own. but I think it's very important that um, working together with UK Active but also this girl can as well and thinking about who else we can work with really start to tackle this so there are campaigns it's an area and an issue which is now getting much more attention from lots of different sectors at the moment I think the more that we can all work together on this and start really defining opening up people's eyes to what is harassment and intimidation because I think there's still a lot of oh it's just oh it's only it's only staring it's only it's not really so I think um, without understanding the impact that has that's a really important part of awareness raising that Sport England and this girl can and UK Active can be involved in doing it's having policies and procedures in place so that anyone feeling harassment harassed intimidated women obviously in terms of what we're talking about but it could be anybody can then report and have know that something's going to be done about it and also looking at other changes that potentially could that could be made are there other things that we could be doing in public spaces in particular that make it easier for women to get active but I think even just that start of acknowledging the scale of the issue and acknowledging that that so-called low level stuff of catcalling of staring of touching and I mean how is it that we are still now in just as a society having to pass laws against upskirting and what was the most recent one pictures of women breastfeeding in public how is it that that is a law that has to be passed now it's a beggar's belief really and they just so to scale I think active, physical activity because maybe because it's also less visible as well traditionally as well is it passes for comments that's the other thing is for me going for a run or going for a walk is a it's a feminist act as well because you are then normalizing women getting active outdoors and maybe it becomes mm-hmm. less visible so I think there's lots and lots of things and there's lots of different aspects of this that we want to be looking at but it's an absolutely critical issue I think has always been but it's finally getting the attention and time mm. it deserves from across across society yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the guide we've developed in partnership with This Girl Can is the start of UK Active supporting our sector in this area. In the guide, it offers really tangible solutions to creating a safe environment for women and girls in facilities. And in partnership with This Girl Can, we've also established a task group to provide a collaborative approach to tackling women's barriers, challenges, experiences in relation to harassment within our sector. And that group is kind of made up of representatives from across the sector, from operators, both public and private and also includes inclusion and diversity experts too. And the group explores solutions such as structured and combined training standards and support for operators to deliver consumer-facing messaging, which highlights and supports, but really importantly, reinforces the fact that there is a zero-tolerance approach towards harassment within facilities. Um, So that is something that we've kind of, you know, actioned over the last kind of couple of years and that continues to be a priority of ours and we you know we've got kind of working plans at the moment with this go can around how that work continues to evolve and then we continue to support inform advise our, our members in this area but yeah it's a huge societal issue it doesn't stop at the doors of facilities so it's something that we we and our sector are taking seriously. I suppose kind of how we've been speaking throughout this episode is both of you in your roles, there's that constant evolution of what you're looking at and what becomes kind of the thing that you're focusing on and what's the next thing and things like that. Is there like ways you can kind of plan what might be the next thing or is it kind of very much like reflecting what is happening in society and kind of going along with that or is there kind of a different approach that you might have it's both um so yeah we try I guess to 
be on the cusp of the change. I mean, and we do we have lots and lots and lots of research and data and insight to understand uh, how women are thinking and feeling generally, as well as about physical activity. So making sure that what we're doing is fresh and relevant and talking to where women are now. I think we learned two years ago, I said, everyone, we did a big launch. We had a big new campaign, Me Again, launched in January 2020. We had plans for the whole year and then March happened. And so we pivoted, good marketing jargon word, isn't it? But uh, And then focused on how we could support women to stay active during when all we could do was run, walk, cycle or work out at home. And I think sort of picking up from that and what we need to be doing. And I think some of that is around, um, I guess, still that recovery period, but recovery in a climate where, as we've touched on, that we think financial pressures that lots of people will be feeling this year, the delayed onslaught of COVID. But I think underlying pressures in society anyway, that would still be there. So trying to understand those. So some of it is reactive and responsive. Some of it is not constantly, because that sounds a little bit neurotic, but uh, checking in with and understanding what is going on with women. And there are perennial themes, to be honest. I would love to say, and when we launched, we talked about liberating women from the fear of judgment. And that was our moon landing goal. And, you know, when women don't fear judgment, there will be no gender gap. I don't think we're quite that simplistic, but not far off. We have absolutely learned that it's about managing that fear of judgment. And there's days where you get out of the bed ready to take on the world and you can do anything. And there's days where it's all a bit much. Um, And so I think it's much more about supporting women through that. So I think that fear of judgment hasn't gone away. It might manifest in different ways. I think we need to do more to understand, I think, particularly 25 and under and their view on the world, which and probably I'm 51 now, probably every 51 year old has always said that 25 and under feels like a different, not just a different generation, but a different species and their view on the world. I think this one in particular with everything they've been through, I think, you know, what's good to work for them, what their needs, what their fears are. But nevertheless, that fear of judgment is, is a constant, but how it manifests what it attaches to and how we tackle that that's what changes so the short too long didn't read answer to that is it's a bit of both yeah same from our side it's you know it's always going to be that level of reaction um and as our kind of you know as the membership body that's our role to kind of react to stuff and support our members but we are also looking at kind of consumer trends kind of off the back of this piece of work in particular women and girls but just wider consumer trends perceptions expectations to kind of look ahead to support and grow the sector in terms of what people want from their local facility and what they expect to be there and have you found any research that kind of suggests women prefer to exercise in group activities they enjoy that kind of social aspect when they're getting out there and going to those classes sometimes like I know I've personally felt going to a class kind of how we're speaking about beginner classes sometimes if you're by yourself going in and then trying to make friends and kind of how you were saying about the cliquey aspects that can happen quite quickly so if you join a bit later sometimes it's kind of tough but then you also do get that united group front where you feel quite like together when you're like doing a certain class and things like that but sometimes that is the instructor that is kind of like trivying you along and things but is there any research that kind of shows that social side is an important thing Coming back to that, but you're right about the role of the instructor, I think, in dance classes or fitness classes particularly, is that you will get women or people probably as well, but so loyal to a particular instructor who's really good at bringing them together and giving them the level of intensity that they want and the the atmosphere that they want. And I think that's really important. I think from what we've seen, it depends. I think there are women who absolutely, different women on different days. So for some, I think it can be that incredibly social experience. I think going with their friends, and we know that the trigger for lots of women to actually get active is their friends saying, let's do it together. And I mean, which makes complete sense. I think that's really helpful I guess what we've always wanted to avoid doing is implying that unless you have that sort of social support network it's impossible to do it or it's more difficult so I think it varies and I think it also might vary activity by activity 
running groups put the fear of God into me because I always think I'm going to be at the back. Again, you would think I would know better when I actually have gone to them. They've been fine and haven't been like that. So it's just my own demons coming back into play, I guess. Yeah, we, um, so I think it was actually back in 2019. We know that women, that women made up 76% of group exercise participants, which, you know, to Kate's point is likely to be for many reasons, you know, partly motivational being in kind of that group with others and, or, and or going with friends that they know. So that social recipe, I mean, it's also as someone that, you know, is a woman who is very active. For me, group exercise is brilliant because I can leave work I can leave mum responsibilities, turn up and follow an instructor. No, I'm being active, but I'm being told what to do. I haven't got to turn up on the gym floor with a workout in my head. So I think group exercise is really popular for um, women and girls for all sorts of different reasons. You know, just that escapism, but also that social perspective as well. But yeah, we do know that women and girls, females make up the predominant group exercise participants. I hadn't thought of it like that, but yeah, that, and that's what I like about them is I don't have to think. Mm-hmm. And I know that whatever I'm doing is enough. And I was just thinking as well, my main activity at the moment is a very, very non-audition dance group, that which um, is now called Rainbow Nation, was called Gay Men's Dance Company. So you can tell by its genesis of a name that I walk into a room and I'm one of two or three women there with a load of, of, of men um, who have had so many of them the same barriers that we've had in going to that as well. And so there's so it's been really interesting for me seeing what's in common and some of their experiences growing up as well. And I was just thinking about, yeah, I was just actually thinking about how long it is it's been in a, an exercise room where it's been more women than men. It's been a very long time. I need to try it again. <laughs> it's quite fabulous though. That sounds like such a great exercise class to get involved with. How you were saying before about running groups, I also have that preconception that it would just be a nightmare and it's just not for me. Because you just assume they're all like pro athletes, don't you? And they're going to just run a marathon when in reality, it's probably not like that at all. And I guess you pick the right group, don't you? So if it's a social running group or an informal one and one that isn't around marathon PBs. Years ago, I've got another anecdote before, when I joined Sporting but way before this girl can, was even a twinkle in anyone's eye, was uh, I went to my local running track because we'd signed up classic pub conversation let's do a charity run 10k never run before went to my running track and got shouted at by the running club because it was their club night and they booked it out and instead of saying to me as I now know either run on the outside so you're not in a way of our time trials or come back on a Thursday when we have beginners or whatever 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 there's so many ways they just made me feel small and stupid and back on the netball court which I was my nemesis sport at school and it's not for me and it's just that way of doing it and so I still got that in my head about running groups and I know and I've spoken to um, all sorts of running groups and you know people like this my mind and everything that it's not like that and they have their trained runners and I have done a few park runs and I know from park run when I go there, when I get myself up in the morning on a Saturday, um, that you don't feel like you're the one holding everyone up at the back. But I still have that fear of it that everyone's going to be, oh, we could have been home by now, okay, if it wasn't for you. And I still have that in my head, so I have to manage that. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I'm, you know, I am not a great runner. Um, if I run, it's because it's convenient. It's, you know, easy to quickly get out the door and do it. But I've never been to a park run and they are very clearly very inclusive. But I've always been that, that worried about, oh, I won't be able to keep up or uh, what if I'm the only one walking even though I know damn well that lots of people go there and walk but it's just that it's that personal confidence thing and I think we can as a sector and these community groups they're amazing and you know we can do so much but it's also sadly it does come down to that personal confidence so it's about inspiring and empowering and I think something that Kate touched on earlier it's about seeing people that look like you that you kind of relate to really well to kind of go actually if she can do it I can do it. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's really important. And that's the thing is, if we who live, who work in this sector and who live and breathe this messaging, if we if we have moments of struggling yeah. with it, then 
what must it be like if you're you know the further removed you are from it yeah. it's um so just remembering that in a positive way not a negative way <laughs> I feel I've been very doom and gloom today mm-hmm. it's more just it's, it's normal to be scared about it it's normal to be anxious it's normal to find it a bit uncomfortable going something you haven't done before or haven't done for a long time and I think once you oh, do you know what it's just, and and it's that whole it's the whole thing about mindfulness isn't it but I see the storm I am not the storm I am I have I have anxiety I am not anxious and I'm now feeling like I'm trivializing anxiety I'm not but it is it's recognizing that these are just normal thoughts and feelings of a process of doing something that you wouldn't haven't done before not for time and that's okay and the other thing I tell myself is this isn't school I'm not back on that netball court though I did say just before lockdown that I was going to try back to netball to get over this so and I apologize to netball because I know they wouldn't teach it the way it was taught to me at school in the 70s but you can leave you're not going to get detention you're not going to get told off if you really hate it just go it's fine I did it during a Zumba class once because my head just wasn't in the space it was too dancey despite getting performance that dance class would be great now I wouldn't I'm still it was too fast and I'm a northern girl my hips don't do that I just couldn't do it and it was just stressing me out and I just left and I said that's okay no one came running after me it, but it took a lot for me to leave but mm. actually it's a message for me if you really hate it just leave it's fine it's like knowing as well that there isn't that kind of consequence of getting yeah. in trouble or because you just assume that like, yeah. oh, you couldn't leave a class or things like that when it's perfectly fine if it's not for you and there could be something else out there. And I think that's one thing that's... that needs to be explored more is you can try all different kinds of things and seven things might not be for you, but you might then just find that one thing that really clicks and that's what you do and you kind of stick with yeah, it. It's really important. I think it's, it is about trying it, trying different things and finding what works for you. And, you know, you could try all types of group exercise classes and then be like, actually, no, that turning up and doing my own workout with you know my headphones and my music on the gym floor is exactly what is for me or getting out and walking on the street and I think that's it it's that ensuring people have positive experiences so that even though that activity is not right for them they still have a good experience that they feel like they can go back and that for me personally I think that is the key absolutely Hattie completely it's I remember again back to the beginning days we're talking about when it comes to, this is a really stereotyped example, but I think it's true, so bear with. But when it comes to clothes shopping, we all kind of know the shops that suit our style, our body shape, our attitude, our age, maybe, though you're never too old to wear anything you want to. And we kind of know, and we're quite good, most of us, at being discerning shoppers. And it's trying to get that so that if you go to a class that isn't right for you for whatever reason, the activity, the teacher, the setting, whatever, you don't say, oh, well, that's because people like me aren't supposed to do this or aren't supposed to be sporty, aren't supposed to be active. You say, do you know what, that doesn't work for me, but something else could. And so having that level of confidence, but yeah, coming back to the sector, what they could do, it's about that, isn't it? I think, yeah, that's the takeaway, I think, from this. And I think as well, kind of changing that perception and that confidence, how you spoke about going to that running club and the way they spoke to you. And I'm sure pretty much every woman listening to this has had a similar experience at some point in their life. So it's kind of like looking past that in a sense and seeing that was a bad experience, but I'm sure there are a lot of other good ones out there that are waiting for me and are ready to go kind of thing and seeing past that kind of hiccup in a sense and moving on. Yeah, absolutely. And funny enough, I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine um, the other day who was talking about those experiences. And uh, I actually said to her, have you ever been to a restaurant and had a really bad experience and a bad meal? And she was like, well, yeah, of course I have. And I was like, but did you go to another restaurant and eat out again? And she was like, well, yeah. And I was like, 
that is it. That's what you've got to remember. That was there. Go somewhere else. It's not going to be exactly the same. So I think that's, yeah, it's really hard. It's hard, but that's the kind of frame of reference that you have to try and remember. Actually, that's much better than my clothes shopping. I'm going to steal that one next time. <laughs> yes, and far less stereotypical as well. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's that. So after listening to our conversation today, listeners might be wondering how they can get involved with the classes from the Skill Can or where they can find the guide that we've discussed and the proposed like recommendations from UK Active we'll obviously like include links below but is the best place for them to go your websites and social media potentially yeah uh, if you search for hashtag this girl can you will find our website you'll find all our social media channels and you'll be able to get the links from there and I imagine the same with with UK Active and you can get through to the guidance from either the UK sorry Hattie I'm talking for you the UK Active website or the this girl can website as yeah, well so yeah yeah, exactly that. And there is um, a bespoke URL for the access to the guide. So we'll share that. And I guess, you know, if there's any women that are listening to this and they're unsure about how to get started and get active, it's, you know, definitely look up This Girl Can. There's lots of tips and hints. So, And on the This Girl Can website as well for any organisations, there's a supporters toolkit. So you can log, sign in and log in to be a This Girl Can supporter and then access lots of photography, lots of imagery, lots of guidelines, all sorts of resources that you can use there to help you actually put um, the guidelines into practice. And lastly, to kind of end the session we've had today, is there anything else you'd kind of like to add into the conversation at all that we've been having? We all need to stop overthinking it, both as organisations and as individuals. I think it's just moving and it's just encouraging people to move. And yes, there's layers within that, and but it's just moving. And I think let's not overthink it. Let's just think of the ways we can make it easier for ourselves and easier for the women whose needs we're trying to serve. 100%. I think it's moving in a way that suits you. And if that's at home, in your kitchen, to begin with, dancing to the radio, and then that builds your confidence to then step outside the door and try something, then that's absolutely fine. It's just about, yeah, keep moving, keep spot on. Great, perfect. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank it's been you. A great episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Intelligent Health's podcast, Movement is Life. And a big thank you to today's guests, Kate Dale and Hattie Jones, for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed our varied conversations surrounding invisible women in sport, including the fantastic work This Girl Can, Sport England and UK Active are doing to change the narrative of women in sport. It was great to hear some more personal experiences from both Kate and Hattie too. Remember, you can check out previous episodes of the podcast and make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. As always, if you have any questions for us, Dr. William Bird, or concerning this or any episode, then please email us at podcast at intelligenthealth.co.uk. That's podcast at intelligenthealth.co.uk. We'll be back next month with another episode featuring the CEO of Rounders England. Before you go, leave us a rating or review and make sure you share this episode with your friends.